All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 229. The Lakers finally won a game on the road. Who would you take to build your franchise around, Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley? Does anybody play defense in the NBA anymore? Everybody's dropping 50 these days. And I pulled a legendary top shot moment. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 229. And I got to start the show, Drew, with an apology. Uh Uh-oh. I have to make an apology. Uh, Some people didn't like my Target rant the other day. I guess I'm the last one to the party to know that Target (laughs) actually has some really good deal on clothes. I love it. Dudes and chicks, both of them were saying, "Hey, bro, you can you can find a lot of good shit at Target." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm I'm sorry, right?" So uh, yeah, it I, wasn't a, it wasn't you weren't trying to shame anybody who shops at Target. I don't think that was the goal of what you were doing. I think it was more like an enlightening experience. You hadn't you you didn't know about this. No, you, well, yeah. I guess I took I, when I said that I I I I personally said that I don't I won't I will never buy clothes from Target. Maybe some people took that the wrong way. I never expected that I would be buying clothes from Target. And let me tell you guys, I wore the jeans this week and they, they looked great. I had two parties I had to go to this week and it looked great. So I will be, I will be, you know, keeping my eyes open for more deals at Target. And I'm sorry if I offended anybody. All right. I'm going to go back this week and see if they have another <laughs> pair of my jeans in, in that color. It's <laughs> good. It sounds like you're getting good value. Hey man. So, so last night, something, something crazy happened last night, Drew. The Lakers won their first road game since oh. January. And it was during the Clipper game. Clippers played Utah last night. As soon as it was 20 to 2, uh, you know, Clippers were down on the Jazz. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to switch over. I'm going to watch this, uh, this Lakers-Toronto game because it was 105-105 when I flipped over to watch. And let me tell you, man, that was a really, really exciting game. We got to see Russell Westbrook hit a, hit a game winner. It was so wild, Drew, because the, the shot prior – to hitting the, the the shot to make him go to OT was laughable. One of his his only backboard threes, right? Hits nothing but backboard. And I'm like, oh shit, Russell is about to get it again, right? This is this couldn't be any worse. Braun is killing. Braun is in full Braun beast mode, doing everything he possible possibly can. Poor uh, what's my boy's name? Wenyan Wenyan Gabriel, who I really liked on the Clippers. <laughs> this poor guy is getting the wrath of LeBron every which way you look. Both teams only had nine players play and Russ <laughs> ends up hitting the three-pointer to put him in overtime and it, you know what's wild about that three drew what was like he had no other choice but to shoot like he didn't have time to get in his head and think he had yep. a huge steal ran to the right spot had the presence of mind to get his right foot off of that you know the three-point line to make it a three and he hit it and then the Lakers win in overtime man and they and they played it like it was a this just a huge huge moment in Laker history but I was happy for your boys last night man well, yeah, I mean, it was it's the chaos of the Russell Westbrook game winner that like it, it, it makes sense that it would be that kind of a game winner that Russ would hit, uh, you know, I, and essentially it wasn't the game winner. But, you know, you know what we're talking about. It's, you know, it was that that play was the reason that we were able to, to edge out the victory uh, when it was all over. So uh, 
I was surprised when it went in. <laughs> so surprised. To be honest. I think a lot of people were, maybe even including Russell Westbrook. But yeah. Yeah, man. This is, you know, this is the funny part about what I've been saying as we continue to talk about this Lakers team. It's like pulling, you know, hair out of my head. I don't enjoy talking about it, but this has gone with the theme for the entire year. We'll go out and we'll lose to Minnesota. Uh, we'll lose to the Houstons and the San Antonios of the world and we'll beat the Warriors and we'll come in and play a very stout Toronto Raptors team that's been quite good for majority of the season now, like really the second since the second half of the first part of the season. So for the majority of the year, Toronto has been very strong. They have their unit. They know who's going to play and their role players know their role very well. And that was a big win for us. But again, it, it, like it's a nice win, but it just it's just one out of whatever. I think we're like three in our last 10. So Every time we have a win like this over the course of this year, I used to get excited and be like, okay, this might be the moment, but I no longer have that. So it's fun. It was a fun game. It was a nice win. LeBron is amazing. I mean, he's just, he was like 15 of 26 in that game. and was fantastic. Um, and I, I actually thought Wendon Gabriel played really good in that Toronto game. Not so good in some of the other games, but he, he shot really well from the floor. He's LeBron's new Mario Chalmers to pick on. He, LeBron's always got to yell at somebody, bro. And you're the new guy. So that's, that's definitely you when you, and I just think great performance uh, really to me, it, it doesn't matter though anymore because we can go ahead and like turn around and our next game is against Washington, which is happening. I think it's starting like right now as mm -hmm. we're, as we're going. Um, and I believe that's a team that we actually beat <laughs> like the last win that we got was against Washington. It was on March 11th. And then we lose to Phoenix, lose to Toronto, by the way. That was also that also happened earlier. Lose to Minnesota in a maybe the most embarrassing performance for like a, a, a star ever out of what I mean, they were clowning Russell Westbrook. Can we talk about that? Beat, I, yeah. I, and then we beat Toronto now. So I have no idea what like this doesn't mean anything, but it's it was cool. It was a cool game, I guess. I was just happy to see Russ get something positive, right? Yeah, like guess, they yeah. need if anybody needed to hit that three pointer, because God forbid if that was that last shot he he shot was <laughs> was his last shot of that game. God, he would have it just would have gotten worse for him. So I'm glad he got that. I want to talk about that Minnesota game really quick. Because I was a little upset about it. Look, I like Minnesota, right? It, seems, it, it looks like the Clippers are probably going to be playing Minnesota in the playoffs. And they do kind of scare me. But like Russell said after that game, like what has anybody on Minnesota done, right? Okay, Cat's <laughs> a three-point, you know, Cat's a three-point champion. Awesome. But Cat was mocking him after he shot that air ball. And uh, Patrick Beverly was being Patrick Beverly, staring down LeBron, smacking him on the ass, looking at the bench, saying that you stink shit. Like, oh, it stinks in here because of mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook. You expect that from Patrick Beverly, right? And that's kind of his shtick. That's what he does. And we all know the history of the beef between, you know, Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. And Patrick's right about a lot of it, right? Like, he doesn't shy away from his feelings about Russell. But um, the trolling was real that game. And I don't like seeing it, especially from Cat, from a dude that, that, that's never done, never done anything before, right? And Russell's easy to pick on, right? But, like, look, dude, this guy's an MVP, Russell has cloud 23,000 points. This guy has like, you should be the last dude trying to check him. And, and Carl, Carl is that guy. Carl is going to go down as one of the best big men to play probably, but this isn't in his, in his uh, repertoire of like trolling players, especially great players. So it kind of upset me a little bit. And then also like, is this who these guys think they are right now? Are they, are they going to be that against the Clippers? 
I like their team. I like Anthony Edwards. I love Patrick Beverly. Um, I think Cat is great. I love Nas Reed. They're going to be difficult in the playoffs, but the trolling is a little much for me right now. I guess there's there's a point there. Like, what have what have all of you guys done to where you can talk shit? But I do think it is like indicative of the general attitude towards Russell Westbrook that I've seen this entire year from teams and individuals across the entire NBA. Uh, I don't know if there was some, you know, underlying deep seated, like semi hater, like faction within the NBA against Russell Westbrook. And apparently there is because I've never seen a guy get kicked more when he's down. (laughs) Than, than Russ is getting right now. So I, you know, it's and just, playoff P got it a lot though, Drew. Playoff P go. got it a lot. Yeah, and I'm sure my memory is is off, and I'm sure there's been guys that have been bad, and and we've piled on probably even on this on this very podcast. But it does seem like people, um, if for Russell Westbrook's case, are really enjoying. And when I say people, other players in the NBA seem to be really enjoying his kind of downfall this year, which is interesting. And I I thought. I mean, I, 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 it's hard to know what people think of any given player, like what other players think of Russ or. Well, we know what Patrick Beverly, we know what Patrick Beverly thinks of Russell. So we know that. And that's not a surprise that they have a history that goes back eight years or whatever. So I think that part isn't a surprise. It's everybody else. It's, it's the Carl Anthony Towns of the world where it's like, oh, okay, we're just going to make fun of Russ. You're in on this too now. You're in on this too. But granted, I do think there's a potential that because the the Timberwolves are feeling themselves you know they have a bit of a swagger I think they have a winning season this year like for the first time in a couple seasons so that's exciting uh maybe maybe Carl Anthony Towns reacts that way to anyone who threw up that air ball and it just so happened to be Russell Westbrook who was the one who did it but I think maybe the point that I'm making is like if Malik Monk had thrown that up there and airballed it like that maybe Carl Anthony Towns reacts the same exact way and it's irrespective of the fact that it was Russ but it does seem more often than not, that a lot of these jabs that we're seeing over the course of these games, regardless of Timberwolves game or not, like for the Lakers, people are throwing jabs at Russ constantly. And I'm a little surprised by that. Well, they're not going to say it to LeBron because what, what right. can you say well, to LeBron? LeBron is, LeBron's killing it. Killing I mean, so everybody. It's hard, it's hard to talk shit or you know make fun of LeBron. It's much easier it, to do that. with. And Russ. you can't pick on AD when the guy's never playing in a game. <laughs> so, exactly. unfor- and they, you know, they're not going to pick on the rookie, Austin Reeves. Sorry, Russ. You know, and look, like we've said so many times, the body language of the, of the Lakers is just horrible. LeBron being the worst one out of all of them, right? LeBron is playing great, yeah. but you can tell his body language is horrific. It's horrible. Um, you know, you, watching that Raptor game, we don't get to watch the Raptors a lot, right? We get to see highlights. We get to see all that shit. But I really like this squad, man. And watching Scotty Barnes is super impressive. Like the raw talent this guy has. I don't think he's... I don't think he's great at a lot of things, but he's really good at everything, right? And his length is wild. He gets his hands on the ball. He His motor is out of control, right? But then when you look at all those other pieces, like, man, watching Fred Van Vliet at his size and what he can do, the, the addition of Gary Trent, right? Like losing Norm for Gary Trent is is is... is you know, I think it's okay because Gary Trent, even last night, took huge shots and made huge buckets. And you still got Siakam and you got uh, Boucher and all these other guys. But I really like the Raptors. I have a question for you, Drew. Yeah. Um, this rookie class is pretty is pretty good, man. I mean, we got Scotty, we got Evan, we got uh, Wagner, we've got Giddy, we've got all these these young cats. But if you had to pick right now, your your GM, you have the number one pick, knowing what we know right now about Evan Mobley and Giddy and 
and uh, Scotty Barnes. Who would you take with your first pick to build your frame? I don't care. You know, you don't got to ask me, you know, well, do I have a center? Do I have a power forward? Who's the rookie that you're taking? Because I, when I watch, I and I've watched Mobley enough that he's going to be an all-star, probably the maybe the best big man in the league at some point. But man, having Scotty Barnes on my team, that's a dude I want. So I might, I think I'm taking Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, for me, it's Mobley because of like because of how special he is defensively and and I think how high his ceiling is offensively like he's going to continue to get better and finding his rhythm offensively and shooting a three-pointer he'll just he's just going to get better uh so for me it's Mobley because that's really difficult to find uh I agree with you though I think Scotty Barnes has shown himself to be better than anyone could have potentially expected and I do think it's also uh, a matter of circumstance because I don't know how much we would be singing Scotty Barden's praises if he went to Orlando the way that we all thought it might roll out since he was coming out of Florida State and he might go to Orlando instead of Toronto. But Toronto is like the perfect spot for him. Uh, I think they utilize him well. And uh, I think you, you could very easily make a case like you are that he should be the number one. If we redrafted the, the, the draft, he could be the number one overall pick. For me, it's, it's Evan Mobley. Uh, and I still like Cade Cunningham an awful lot. That guy is, you know, he had a, a slow start to his NBA due to the injury. And then first couple games didn't have his shooting lengths under him. And I think a lot of people might have even just judged them, judged him off of that first week in the NBA. And it kind of written him off almost. And Cade has been very impressive uh, really after that first two weeks. I think he's been quite good. And, and then especially, you know, more recently, he's been very impressive. So to me, I think Scotty, while he's definitely, I would still consider him to be in the top five. I don't know if I would have him above Mobley. Definitely not. And then for me, and then I think Cade, I would still take Cade before I take Scotty. But I think Scotty's a, a very solid third. Hey, and that's that's very impressive. Hey, Cade's real nice. The only reason I wanted to bring up the similarities between Scotty and Mobley is because their numbers are pretty much identical. Mobley's 15.3, 8.3, and 2.5, right? And Barnes is 15.5, 7.7, and 3.4. So they're pretty much identical. Cade, you're right. Like you can build, you can build uh, a team around Cade. And watching the Clippers played Pistons the other night, and I was talking to our CEO, our boy Scott Hale, a.k.a. Hailstorm, listens to the show all the time, came down and visited me this week in San Clemente, showed him the Clips castle. We watched the Clipper-Raptor game, which we lost. Thank you to the referee that blew that game. But, hey, we're not going to talk about that today. Um, <laughs> but watching the Pistons, it's like they – Cade needs to be that guy. And it's like Jeremy Grant wants to be that guy so bad and they really need to figure it out. But I like the team that they have. Like Isaiah Stewart's nice. And I just want Cade to be, I don't think Jeremy Grant's the best fit for them. And we had a long conversation about that as well. But if they can get a couple more pieces, man, uh, you know, I really like, I, I really like Cade. So that's why I was just saying one and two, who would you take Scotty or Mobley? Yeah, it's it's Mobley for me. It's okay. Mobley for me. You know, what's interesting is I don't know if it's because, you know, there's 12, 14, 15 games left for some of these teams, but I think the NBA has completely stopped playing defense or these guys are just going out and getting buckets because uh, speaking of the Pistons, Sadiq Bay drops 51, becoming the 13th player this season to drop 50 plus or more. Eight 50-point games in March. Where is the defense? Not to mention we had the Cat and the Kyrie 60-point games, which 
the the Kyrie 60 was one of the most impressive games I've like ever watched play. And when you watch that game, you're like, God damn it. See, this is why we wanted to, you to play this season, man, because everything you do is magical. It is absolutely, I've never seen a player like him. You could say all you want. It reminds me of AI. Reminds me of Rod Strickland. No, dude. Kyrie is his, in his own lane, man. If they could just fucking figure it out, right? And we even got to see, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of jumping all over the place. We got to see that Brooklyn-Philly game where James Harden wanted no parts of Kyrie. So that story that, that we heard about, you know, Kyrie serving James in practice, probably it makes complete sense. He knew how to lock him up. James shied away from him. That was wild, Drew. That was wild. I, I guess we'll touch on that briefly because that's kind of was a key component to what I what we were talking about in the last podcast. And I was way off in my predictions. I thought Philly was going to be the one that stepped out and showed the dominant force, showed the physicality, and and really brought it to uh, you know an uh, undermanned Brooklyn Nets team. And that was not the case at all. No, what showed what showed was the James Harden that we always seen and we, we we that we've seen in the playoffs so many times. He shied away, man. It was really difficult to watch. I couldn't believe it. I just I kept being like, when is when is he gonna all right? Maybe he's getting warmed up. He's just kind of getting into the flow of the game. And it's just like, nope, he's gonna go three for 17. He's gonna let Kyrie just pretty much own him and boss him around. Uh and so yeah, I think the point that you made also that like the stories that we heard in practice, they had that that kind of rang true in that game. And I was surprised uh for sure. And I have to imagine that Philly fans more more so than most we're like wait no wait a minute this isn't this can't be what this is right now we were totally they must have been so through the roof like let's destroy these fucking nets like Mm -hmm. Simmons is on the bench like fuck these guys and then their team just like lays a brick I mean Embiid's stats still look good because he shot like 20 fucking free throws or something and so it, it didn't look that bad on his box score but he also was I don't know, five of 19. It was not a great performance from anybody on, <laughs> on the Sixers. Uh, but so anyway, yes, that game, uh, I called that way wrong. Shout out to the Nets to really just bringing it and being like, fuck this, we're not losing this game. Uh, but the scoring, you're right. Go back to like the major point that you were making. There's been an, uh, an explosion of scoring. We've seen 40-point games like every night where there's somebody going for 40 or 50, it seems like, every night. And Seems like KD's doing it a lot too, bro. Yeah, Kevin Durant, while he didn't he didn't score 60, he had 53 right before that. And so I just, you know, the, Sadiq Bey is another, another another example. Unfortunately, that was against the Orlando Magic as well. That was, they had Kyrie drop 60 on him and then Sadiq Bey drop 51. So maybe there's a theme there. Maybe we've, we found a little wrinkle in the, in the reasoning as to why these, these points are happening the way that they are. It's because they're playing the Orlando Magic. Uh, but no, I mean, Josh Hart popped out for 44 points. Jordan Clarkson dropped 45. Trey Young had back-to-back 46 and 47-point games. Steph Curry hit 47. Uh, and uh, our boy, Clay Thompson, had his highest scoring point total of 38 since he's returned from the injury. So it is, it's fun. I think, that, I think that's the, the interesting thing is that, yes, while the defense might be down for some of these situations and some of these games, it's a lot of fun to see these guys just, you know, really starting to hit stride. And I think, you know, as we get into playoff mode, 
this is really when the season, I think for a lot of guys, a lot of established veterans, this is when the season really kicks in for them, right? Like there, there's no more excuses. You got 12 games left before the playoffs start. So if you're in a situation where you're going to be in the playoffs, you really should be in sixth gear, top gear, you know, all the way. There should be no problems. Obviously, if there's health problems, then that whatever, you, you can't deal with that. Uh, but if you're if you're healthy in the NBA and you're you're looking to move forward as the season progresses towards the playoffs, this is what you want to see. And it's been it's been electric. I mean, sports centered highlights just going off left and right. Well, you know, so we titled our last pod or two pods ago, you know, the hardened honeymoon. Do we think the honeymoon's over? Honeymoon's because over. Honeymoon is over and it's time to get to work. Cause like we said, going into this season, Philly making that trade, like, yo. This is legacy type shit. If you don't get to the finals, bro, and, or you lay another egg in the playoffs, there's going to be no more discussion. You're still in discussion as like one of the greatest shooting guards or one-on-one players ever to play. But you're going to be kicked out of this discussion so quick if there's another egg laid by James Harden. So the honeymoon's over. It's time to get down to business. They got to figure it out. Because again, chemistry is everything, right? And you yeah. got a new point guard in Maxi, and we got to figure out how to work uh, James Harden, and yeah, the pick and roll works really well, but we got to keep feeding the beast and Embiid, who that game that we were talking about with the Nets, I think he went to the line 13 times in the first quarter. Yeah. And be- between him and James Harden, it should, they should be getting 50 points from the line every night, mm-hmm. even though that's that sounds pretty boring. They, I what I, I also liked about that game was, yeah, the Philly fans were were pieces of shit to Ben Simmons and the fuck you Ben and uh, the chance and all that, and KD shut them all up after that game and called them all out, right? Absolutely, Kevin Durant just completely flipped the script and took it upon himself to. I don't know, I you know he's he isn't relatively outspoken, right? And I think he's kind of made a persona about recently, especially in the last couple of years, like being short and not overly demonstrative especially in the media or even during games but that was not the case in this game like he was i don't know out to prove to the whole world that he's still like the best the best basketball player uh and then certainly that he has a better team on his side than james harden has on on his side and uh that was i was very evident i I, again it makes me all the more something we talked about leading into that game makes me all the more anticipatory for whatever matchup we get with philly and brooklyn in the playoffs give me seven game series of salivating salivating to to see that i cannot i can only hope it happens if somebody needs to tank games to make it happen somebody make it happen because we all want to we all want to see this right and you know you were you were you were bringing up uh, we were talking about the Nets, obviously, and talking about people going on, you know, hitting their stride going into the playoffs. And we're seeing Luca do it now. Now it's like, like playoff Luca's a different dude, right? And we're seeing these highlights. And I know you really like the addition to Dinwiddie, but what do you, what do you think they they're going to look like going into the playoffs? Well, Luca's finally in shape now, right? Like this, a little is, bit, a little bit in shape. It's part of it was part of his plan. This is a part of like the the routine that he goes through. It's a like six now. month. It's a six month right. thing. Yeah, it's, it's a ramp up. There's a ramp up period, and he's there now. He's finally ramped up. I mean, you can tell when he's ramped up is because he's dunks. He dunks all the like way more when he drops that extra five pounds. He can get up a lot quicker. He can throw down dunks like that tip dunk that he had on the Lakers, for instance, as an example. Something that he would never have even attempted. I've never seen that, bro. He ever. wouldn't have attempted that if this was December. It's just wouldn't he wouldn't have tried. He thought he probably would have hurt himself if he tried that went back then. But now he is firing on all cylinders. And you know, I was very uh, uncertain about how that Porzingis trade would go for Dallas. 
And it's turned out to be a gem while Bertans has not necessarily solidified himself as like the three point shooter that he was a couple seasons ago. He's still offering some stuff for them, but it's really Dinwiddie that has been just gaslit with his arrival uh, for the Mavericks. And it makes me like wonder what the hell was going on in Washington. Like, why didn't this guy fit in? And what are the reasons that now, as soon as he comes to Dallas, that he's immediately super impactful, playing better, playing with more energy. Um, anyway, that part of it, I didn't know how it was going to go. And while Porzingis, actually, I, I think he had a pretty nice game last week. At some point, he dropped some decent, some decent statistics. Uh, it's clear that, that Dallas is happy to be rid of him in some sense. Uh, because everyone seems to be playing much more freely. And obviously, when you have someone like Dinwood, you want him on the court. And I think it's been interesting the way that Jason Kidd has just utilized Luca more as a forward, just in his stature, as opposed to having Luca and Jalen Brunson on the court. They're running Luca, Jalen, and Dinwiddie. And Luca can play the small forward if you want to call quote unquote small forward role on the defensive end where he doesn't need to be guarding the point guard. And he's at a disadvantage a lot of times trying to guard those point guards. So I think that was really smart. And uh, I've been very impressed with the Mavericks and Luca, obviously, who is definitely hitting stride right now. Yeah. I was really excited about JJ's pod when he had Luca on this week, like really excited. And Luca's boring as hell on it. I'll tell you, dude, I couldn't even get through it. I was, I thought there was going to be some super, big inside JJ was asking great great questions and the only thing I took out of that podcast was uh like JJ asked him like what's your mentality when you go into playing against these great players like LeBron or KD or anything like that and he said the only thing I really think about is just tiring them out like that's all I want to do is make them work for everything and his bag is just so nice though man his step back and I mean Luca can be one of the greatest but could he please just get Tim Grover and like instead of this six-month ramp up man I just want to see one summer where this guy comes in in super shape with the fuck you attitude like you know what I am the best player in the NBA yeah, and I think that's that's something that everyone's aware of. Maybe maybe he's now aware of it. Um, and I do think, I mean, the youth aspect to Luca is something that's very easily overlooked. He's still very young. And I just continue to go back to how I was at 22. I was not eating vegetables, right? So I can I can relate, right? It's not it's not impossible. You still don't eat vegetables, bro. That's what I'm saying. I'm 30. I'm about to be 33 in July. Like I barely eat enough vegetables now, but. <laughs> Uh, so I can relate to what he's going through. And I think something that was interesting, I, the other night I was randomly watching uh, YouTube uh, Hot, One, Hot Ones, is my, one of my favorite shows. And I was watching some of the new ones and, I, and one came up on my little scroll and it was Joel Embiid from a couple years ago. And the reason I bring this up is because in that episode, the host was asking Embiid about like some of these feats that he used to do, like where he would eat 10 cheeseburgers uh, because he was hungry. And that's what a seven foot three guy that's 300 pounds needs to feel full sometimes. Um, and Joel was like, you know, in his transition during like right in that off season of like actually taking things more seriously. And he answered very like short answer. Like, I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm not going to do the Embiid voice. That's for you. But I could do it for you. I'm trying yeah. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just essentially was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into better shape now. I don't eat like that anymore. He didn't want to talk about you know, the fact that he would throw down 10 cheeseburgers or eat a whole can of Nutella in a half hour and shit like that. So I think that it will click for Luca. The reason I'm bringing this up is because it finally clicked for Embiid and we've seen him really just take off since that moment. 
I think eventually it'll happen for Luca, whether that's next year or the year after. Eventually it will be there and we'll see him in that season that he takes it serious from day one. We'll see him be MVP. Now, I, I want to push back a little bit on that, though, because, you know, Luca may be young, but Luca's also been a pro since he was 15. He's been in this game a long time. You know, I don't I think the European diet is much better and healthier than what we eat in 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 the United States. But um, I don't think it's just the diet, dog. I just think I just wish he would want to be work on the things that he needs to work on. If he could drop. 15 pounds, right? Let's just say 15 pounds and get some muscle on it. And look at me. Who am I the one to tell anybody to drop 15 pounds and get some <laughs> muscle on it? Okay. My playing days are over though. I just want to see Luca take it. I, we see the greatness in him and it's hard to compare to Mike and Kobe and it's hard to get in the Mamba mentality and all that shit, but it would just be really nice. Like if he went to Miami and Miami drafted him, he would be in the best shape in his life, right? Like Pat Riley wouldn't let him be playing in that shape. So and everybody walks on eggshells around Luca, anyways. Like, do whatever you want. We just want you to sign the two hundred fifty million dollar max deal, whatever we can get to, to keep you as long as we can. So that's and the playoff Luca is a different guy too. I don't want to see Luca in the playoffs, but he is due to win a playoff series. And I'm not necessarily sure who who would they match up with right now. Do we know what are uh, they in? Yeah. They're, right now they're 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 holding on to the five seed. Five. Um, so then they would end up looking at the Six. Jazz. The, the jazz is the four seed. So right now it's jazz uh, against Dallas. And uh, that gap between them is only a game difference. Um, so there's a chance that that flip flops and Dallas should be pushing for that home court advantage. I think for sure, if they're going to go up against the likes of Utah, uh, but they are also just a game and a half ahead of Denver. Mm. Uh, who is in the six? So and there's mur- there's rumors that we we might see Jamal Murray back too. Well, that's been the big news from Denver's point of view is that there's been really good progress for Michael Porter Jr. on his back, and Jamal Murray has actually been assigned to the G League Denver team, uh, which I think still has Isaiah Thomas on it. I don't know where he is now anymore. He was on the Hornets, and now he's back in the G League. So I think he'll be playing alongside Isaiah Thomas potentially in in Denver's. G League affiliate, which is huge, as we know, like if Jamal Murray comes back for this Denver team, who has done a great job staying afloat, dealing with the the numerous number of injuries and craziness that's happened to them, uh, for them to be in the sixth seed right now, 42 and 29, that's a pretty solid record. If they can get that guy back, they're going to be a scary matchup for literally any of the Western Conference opponents. So you're talking about Michael Porter Jr. potentially coming back. You're talking about Jamal Murray potentially coming back. I've got a little bit of news here, Drew. I got a little bit of news. It is just mark your calendar. It is March 19th right now. You heard it here first on Clips and Drew. I'm not not going to give you my my source, but I have a little birdie that told me something, man. And I just want you to mark my words because I think that this is going to happen. But from what I heard is the Clippers will be trying to have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back for the final five games of the season going wow. into the playoffs. That's what I heard. It is a it's it's somebody that I trust. Now I could be wrong. I don't want to I don't want to get anybody too excited, but mm-hmm. I, I it's my job to tell you guys what I hear. And that's what I hear. And I also, it makes me go back. We brought this up on the couple shows ago, just the strategic like Clippers are playing against Golden State and Kawhi finally works out in front, like with the team and in front of media because it's a nationally televised game. 
why would why would you do that without you know having some kind of rumors about what's going on with with Kawhi and then we saw the video of Paul George because Clippers are very hush hush and I, I I think being I mean we all know Kawhi has always been hush hush Kawhi not even hush hush just hush okay that's yeah. what he is you don't even get a second hush no 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 second hush but if that's the real case that's huge for the Clippers going into the playoffs and again I don't want. Uh, if they're both not a hundred percent ready to play, I don't, I'd rather them not do anything, but this would be huge for us and can th- potentially throw a wrench into everybody's expectation. Like without having Paul George or Kawhi, it's going to be difficult to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves in one game. It's one game, right, Drew? Yes, correct. Yeah. It's the one game plan. If you lose, then you would play the winner between the nine, 10, which is Lakers Pelicans right now. And then. So say Clippers win, say Clippers beat Minnesota, Lakers beat who? Lakers beat the Pelicans. The Pelicans. Moment. And then do we see each other then? No, you would go into the seven seed. So the game, the first game, the seven seed, Minnesota Timberwolves is the seven seed right now, would play the eight seed Clippers. The winner of that game would get the seven seed and would play in a seven game series against the two seed Memphis Grizzlies. The loser of that game would play the winner between the Lakers and the Pelicans. Right. So if Minnesota wins, you would play either the Lakers or the Pelicans. And then whoever won that game would be the, would be the eight seed and play against the Phoenix Suns. I would so much. OK, put it this way. If there's no Paul George or Kawhi, there's absolutely we have no shot against Memphis at all. Like zero, zero chance. These guys and own the same thing with the Suns, though. We can beat the Suns, man. They don't scare me. Depending on Chris Paul, they don't they don't scare me as much. I know I know on paper uh, we match up well, man. We match up well against these guys. I think we can get them. Or give us give me one of them. Can we get one Paul George or something? I don't I don't know. Anyways, that's what I heard. I think Clipper Nation, we have a really strong chance about getting these guys back. Is five games enough going to be enough to get the legs back for them? I don't know. Um, but. I think that's pretty good news, man. And the Clippers, uh, you know, we've had we've had a good season. We've lost a, 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 the last couple games, but I, I'm really happy with where where the Clippers are out right now. But let's keep our eyes peeled. You heard it here on Clips and Drew first. So when everybody thinks they're breaking news in the next week or so, <laughs> you know you heard it from us. Right. Um, you know, I, I, since since I went off on a tangent on winning time, right on on the on HBO last week, a lot of people chimed in. And I even posted something on our page, right? And it seems like the people that think it's funny that I'm so upset about it are some of our diehard, like, Laker fans, right? They're like, I really appreciate satire, but also appreciate history. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm not going to get into this argument. Somebody asked me why I have swamp ass over it. Like, why are you so? And I'm like, okay, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't love poor television. All right. I never said, I thought this was going to be a documentary or whatnot. So now literally I'm not the only, we are not the only one saying this. Some of the best writers in the world, some very respected people in the NBA community, they are all saying the same thing, right? So now I'm not, I I thought I'd spend the next nine episodes just poking holes and everything, but now it doesn't even matter because, because it, because it's so far right field that everybody knows that this is bullshit. So episode two came out last Sunday, right? And there's just a couple things I I, want to bring up. All right. And I I took a couple notes. Um, One of them, Jerry West cheating on his wife. Jerry West just banging some random chick after winning uh, the NBA title, right? Picking her up from a funeral. From a funeral. Yeah, Jerry West. That's the best place to pick up chicks, right? 
Uh, <laughs> Makes uh, me think of Wedding Crashers. Oh yeah, that Jerry is true. West, Jerry West. He, apparently, he wrote the, the he wrote the book with Chaz Reinhold. It was Jerry West and Chaz Reinhold. They were the ones that wrote the book. <laughs> well, it's just it's again the 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 depiction of Jerry West just gets worse and worse, right? And then it's like. Uh, homeboy's crawling through Jerry West's window and he's in his in his underwear just laying on the ground, right? Just drunk out of his mind. Like, okay, get the fuck out of here, man. But like, and then even Dr. Buss, who's now the most misogynistic, arrogant fucking asshole you've ever met in your life. There's a quote that he says when he's at that owner's meeting, when he wants to take over that whole owner's meeting and he sees one of his old friends and he's like, hey, Chuck, you ever had a blowjob with champagne in the girl's mouth? And it's like, are you, are you serious? Are you serious? That, that made me laugh really hard, though. I will say that was very hilarious. It was hilarious. Yes, it was funny. And could have Dr. Buss said that? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Yes, it was funny. It was, it was the funny. 80s, Clips. It was the 80s. I get it. I get it. And champagne in the mouth. Yes. Awesome. Sounds like a great time. Um and then like the Red and Bus first meeting where Red is just like clown and bus, wants nothing to do with, with Jerry <laughs> Bus whatsoever. Cool positive note was Sally Field as Mama Bus, just cooking the books, cooking yeah. the books for the Lakers and the Bus family. And th- they throw Sal- Sally Field as a legend, right? Yeah, Sally Field getting in there. And then there's like this scene with Jeannie. They try to make they try to belittle Jeannie so bad, right? And that uh, the one lady who was working for uh, you know the other owner that now Jerry brought over is so threatened by Jeannie, who's 17 at the time for whatever reason. She was not 17, guys. I'm adamant about that. The the quote where Jeannie tries to put in her two cents about like you know making the team some money, and the lady looks at her and says, "We're out of creamer. Get us some creamer." And I'm like. <laughs> all right whatever um then they, then then jerry tries to impress uh red again at, at the restaurant right best t-bone in town or whatever it is sets red up with the table and they have this this horrible conversation where red's just smoking the cigar and says i'm gonna own the next decade and i'm like okay dude red didn't do that man also i've re- i've read all of like the 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 red Auerbach books it's just not does not sound like red Auerbach at all and uh, fi- final final thought about this: How they ended episode two with with uh, Jerry Jerry Bus being at the forum and and Red comes from from the rafters from the glowed up rafters smoking his cigar and they meet at half court and they they argue about who's going to be winning the next championship and then Red drops his cigar on the forum floor and it just fades to black. I'm like, this is ridiculous, man. But but it's so ridiculous that now I am sold. I am so sold to see the ridiculousness of this show. I do want to pop uh, say one thing, though. That one scene where Magic's wearing that, that cool pro-ked shirt, there's a famous picture of, of Magic rocking that same exact shirt, and I really like the nostalgia about that. So the two positives I take away from the show, Sally Field playing Mama Bus, cooking the books, and the throwback pro-ked shirt. I was really a fan of that. What would you think of it, Drew? <laughs> Uh, you know, it is, It is again, I think the way that I've felt about this is I have always taken it and will continue to take it as entertainment and something that should make me laugh, uh, which it does. It makes me laugh a lot. The one-liners that, that they are given, Dr. Jerry Buss, are amazing, and I can't get enough of them. So I agree. I'm totally off of, like, the historical aspect of this. I no longer... It's over. I didn't start with it. I thought maybe there was going to be a little bit more historical accuracy, but it just seems like they're building a fun show for people to like check in 
Uh, but there is some fun, like there is some fun historical stuff. Like when, when Auerbach says uh, nobody loses like the Lakers. And it's like, you know, that's, I, I, I think that's great. I think that's really funny. And I think it's true of the Lakers in of that era. Like we would, we would get to the finals all the time and we couldn't get over the hump. Uh, so I, all of those things and like the old perspective of like the, the Celtics own the NBA and that's not, that's not far off of what it was for all those years. And I do think that, that there's a chance that Red Auerbach and Dr. Jerry Buss had some versions of these kinds of conversations where they were jabbing each other. And especially when Jerry Buss took over, I can't imagine that Red Auerbach was like, oh yeah, let me totally help you out. Let me help you run your team. I just can't imagine him like being on board with that. So all of those things are fine with me. The continued, uh, you know, ripping down of, of the character of Jerry West is just amazing and and ridiculous. And so I hope that that ends soon. Can they just, can Jerry just come out and tweet something or say something and be like, look, this is laughable, please. <laughs> I don't know if Jerry West tweets very much, but yeah, he should. I think the thing for me is like, I just can't wait for Riley. I can't wait for Pat Riley's character to show up and then for us to move forward with it. Cause it, you know, Jerry West wasn't the head coach for very much longer as this progresses. Uh, so I I'm excited for Pat Riley's character to show up and to see what that looks like. Uh, and we still haven't really, we haven't really gotten Larry Bird's character yet. So I'm excited for that reveal, uh, to see what the guy that's playing Larry Bird, if, if Larry Bird gets any play, he has to get a little bit, you would imagine as this progresses, uh, so I'm excited for those two character reveals to see like what that looks like. And let's just move off of the fact that whoever greenlit this show really doesn't like Jerry West. Not at all. And I think our boy Dylan was in that basketball scene with uh, yeah. with Magic playing at the street ball, going against Cookie's, uh, Cookie's boyfriend. And he's just throwing shade at the boyfriend all day. It was great. Magic just talking all this shit. It's funny, like, I kind of got, I, I, I got in a mood when everybody was like on our page, like, Laker fans were kind of supporting it and they were okay with it. And I was a little, again, I don't understand why I'm so upset about it yeah. being that I'm not a Laker fan. I, I just, I, I believe in history and that was such a crazy time in basketball, but I said, Hey, don't worry. Season two, Michael Cooper is going to be played by Ben Stiller. Like that's what's good. That's what they're going to be doing. That's how we're going to make, they're going to make this up is now, now Michael Cooper's now a white dude, an old white dude. We're going to make this yeah. way more interesting. You know, that's really funny. <laughs> so it's, uh, Episode three will be tomorrow night. We'll see if we can poke some more holes into it. You got any, uh, you got any final thoughts, Drew? Yes, I have been in, I don't, I, my version of heaven on earth is always the first four days of the March Madness tournament every year. It's like my favorite four days. And so I've been watching and I currently am still going to continue to watch all these games as they unfold. We've had some awesome moments already for this NCAA tournament. So Mostly, my, my final thought is I fucking love March Madness, and it's awesome. Kentucky goes down. They lose to tiny little St. Peter's out of New Jersey, a school that nobody's ever heard of. The Peacocks, they take down the number two seed. Unbelievable. Uh, but really, this all started even before that on Wednesday night during the play-in, the night, like uh, uh, the 16th. Notre Dame is in a play-in game and it goes into overtime. This is, this is the play-in to get into the tournament. This is like those first two games for these four additional seeds that were on the borderline. And they're playing in this game, goes to overtime. 
they can't win it in overtime, goes to double overtime. And believe it or not, on the stroke of midnight for the Notre Dame Irish, fighting Irish, of St. Patty's Day, on that stroke of midnight, they make the shot to put them ahead to win the game in double overtime to get into the NCAA tournament and then turn around and whoop that ass uh, against uh, another team yesterday. I can't remember which team it was where that kid Ryan just went off. He had a great game. But the luck of the Irish, Notre Dame taking it down on St. Patty's Day, uh, that is my final thought, and it's fantastic. Luck of the Irish. That is pretty poetic when you think about it, right? And that's what March Madness is all about. It gives David versus Goliath a a, a puncher's shot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure everybody's fucking bracket is ruined, though, right? Like most people's – if if you get 100% bracket on this – like like every single year, you must be some kind of savant genius, right? Yeah, when Kentucky goes down, the people that predict that are the ones that do like 1,500 brackets. They mm-hmm. just keep filling out brackets with different possibilities uh, or the, the very few alumni of St. Pete's is out there making their selections. That's usually what it comes down to. And by the way, I forgot to mention St. Mary's also won a very big game for themselves. So it, the luck of the Irish with, with St. Mary's, Notre Dame, and St. Peter's. Go Peacocks. My final thought. I had a big week this week, Drew. I know I haven't been talking about Top Shot a lot. A lot of the Top Shot people have been down on top. If you hey, if you own any crypto, any NFTs, your 401k is probably down. The dip has been huge the past couple months. Everything going on in Europe. So a lot of money has been lost, right? And especially for me, my Top Shot account has been, been, you know, losing money for the past two months, right? But I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I know that this is going to happen. I continue to be very bullish with Top Shot. Uh, while everybody else is, is, is talking shit and talking about the, the people that are running the show, what they need to be doing, I'm sitting in the background watching my account you know, lose money, but being extremely bullish, still buying as many packs as I possibly can, still buying the moments that I, that I think are going to be valuable and the ones that I want to collect. Now, listen, there are tiers to these moments. For those that don't know too much about Top Shot, a common moment is very common to get. Anybody can get a common moment. They are cheap. There's rares, which is about 1.7% of the total circulation are rare moments, right? They have a have a mint count of anywhere between, you know, 50 and 749 or or 999, nothing under a thousand. And then they have their legendaries. Now look, look, I've been collecting for over a year now. I have a top 1% account, meaning I've been in the green. Even when I'm losing money, I'm still high in the green doing well on it. A lot of people are losing a lot more money, but I have never in my life, Drew, pulled a legendary or been able to afford a legendary. I couldn't, it's hard for me to pull the trigger on a a thousand or $2,000 moment. Most legendaries, even the worst, the worst of the legendaries are, you know, at least a thousand dollars, right? You're, you're, Devonte Grams and you know your your other ones that might not be so like highly sought after, but their legendaries are ninety nine, meaning that there were, there will only be ninety nine of these moments. Only ninety nine people forever will only be able to have this moment, and I have never been able to pull a legendary on these packs that they've been dropping. I, with since my collector score is so high, I can buy four packs at a time, four, 
five packs at a time. And yes, there are some times where I pull some really bad shit. But as you know, the more the more you the more you buy, the more of a chance you have of getting this shit. So I was able on the other on the drop uh, we had a drop this week for it was called a fresh thread set like new players on new teams the justice winslows the Derek whites it's not a huge sought after set but when you complete the set you get the you get the james harden or you get uh the james harden fresh threads um or this the new cj mccullum both of which i wanted so i was collecting these packs in these packs you literally have a it's a 0.01 or 0.071 chance to pull a legendary Okay, literally impossible. And I've ripped over 100 packs. Anyways, long story short, your boy pulled his first legendary. And when I saw it come up, because what this was is I bought four packs. And then I'm like, you know what? I'll get back in line. If they let me get back in line, I'll buy four more packs. Right. But that's it for the day. Right. <laughs> that's it. So the first first pack I, 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 I opened, it had a fresh threads. It had a Tobias Harris metallic gold rare. Right. So I'm like, oh. Boom, that's 80 to 100 bucks right there. I've, I've already made my money back. Pulled your boy, Herb Jones, triple badge rookie. I'm like, I love that. Okay, cool, I'll take that. Got my Luke Kennard, common, but I wanted my Luke, right? And then I get to like the end, the, the last final pack, and I pull a fucking legendary. Now, it's Anthony Simons, right? It's Anthony Simons. It's his game winner against Memphis. It's a series three. It's an awesome little uh, handles, like uh, in and out. And then to a to a uh, to a hardened step back three right to win the game for for um, for Portland. Now that's awesome, right? It's so I have a legendary boosts my scores another one thousand. But I'm not a big fan of Anthony Simons. It's not a rookie. I, I, I'm sure he's he's I like Anthony Simons, but and he's probably got big upside. He might be really good. But there's a moment that I've been two moments that I've been looking at. And the only legendary moment that I wanted right now was Luke Kennard's game winner against uh, Washington, right? Huge, huge moment for Clipper fans. It was one of the best games I've ever seen. And I wanted that moment. And for whatever reason, why everybody is not as bullish about me, the the Luke Kennard was going for cheap, super cheap, right? (laughs) And so I'm like, all right. Now the Simons, you needed to complete uh, the Lamelo Ball Legendary Challenge. You needed my Anthony Simon, so it's already going to be more, oh, wow. right? Because you need these seven people. Got to drop cake, dude. You had to drop like ten k to get this Lamelo moment, right? So I sold high on Anthony Simons. Okay, sold for I think I got like sixteen hundred, right? Which is that's nice. that's it's great, right? But nah, nah, your boy clips immediately. Goes, I buy my Luke Kennard. So I get my Luke Kennard legendary for my Clipper set. It's a moment <laughs> that I love. But you know what else came out, Drew? Was the rare John Morant game winner in the corner. It's metallic gold. The the whole moment itself, the sequence, the, it's broken down perfectly. And I'm, I need that moment. So your boy copped the John Morant. I think that's going to live on for a long time. That's his 52 point game. That game was insane. I got, I also picked up uh, two more LeBrons that I really wanted from series two. They were commons, but they're common 10 K and 15 K, but I wanted them for the collection. Got those anyways, huge week for me on top shot. And today they came out with a man. It was, you know how much I love this. I love, 
I love it so much, man. And it just feels good to, to like really win. I've pulled some good stuff before, but never a legendary. And to have one that you love in your collection, that moment um, is, is pretty awesome, man. So I, I am completely stoked right now. That's what's up. I, I'm surprised that Anthony Simons uh, was given a legendary, but his performance, uh, you know, he had that stretch run that was pretty insane there. So I'm, I guess I'm not that surprised. But, hey, man, you, that's, that's, what, that's what you're best at is like maneuvering these things and getting what you want. And I think that's the fun part about the Top Shot is like the collectible moments that you want to have. You can go and go get them and have them. And even though, you know, some people would be like, why would you rather have a Luke Kennard over this Anthony Simons? It doesn't matter because it's your fucking prerogative. And I think you you came out fantastic in consideration of, of the fact that you only paid whatever it was X amount of dollars for the pack. And then you just cashed out 1600 bucks. So that's great. Right. Right. And then got to roll it into the, the moments that I find valuable and like, look, not everybody can pull a John Morant legendary or a Steph or a LeBron legendary, which go for ten, tens of thousands. I would have loved to have that. Oh, I, of course, I'd love to have that. But if I'm going to have one legendary right now, and obviously the goal is to have more legendaries, but if I'm going to have one legendary, I want it to be a Luke Kennard Clipper freaking awesome moment of an and one three to come back from 35 points. Uh, you know, in that moment, you see the whole bench going crazy. You see T-Man jump into Luke Kennard's arms. And it was, it just takes me back to even watching that game and it being so unbelievable. And, yeah. and that even the jaw Morant too, that moment, I'm, I'm extremely bullish on, on jaw. I'm extremely bullish on, on Steph and LeBron, obviously. Um, and collecting all the rookie. I got all, I got Cade, I got Evan, I got all the ones that I think are going to be uh, super valuable in the future, but legendary pull for your boy clips i i just hope the luck keeps going yeah man that's awesome yeah i, I mean you got to keep buying into packs now after after you get a little tug like that that, that keeps you coming back oh i'm gonna be I'm, again bullet call me bullish clips from here on out and if you're not on top shot yet and you love basketball try it out buy buy some common moments of your favorite team or your favorite player it's a really fun community uh it's still in beta after two years but if you have any questions, I know our boy Bish got his first fandom moment, which I was stoked for him. It was his boy DeJounte Murray. Nice. Which I, if you need any help, I got I got the moments that you might need help with. It might come with like a 10% transaction fee. But if you need any help, hit your boy clips up. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Tell somebody. Hit up prize picks. Download. Uh, you know, we're going to be back shortly. Another couple days here. We got the playoffs coming up, Drew. Playoffs coming up. Go Peacocks. Keep the champagne out your mouth. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. Bear down. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're